With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Friday, January 29th, and we are working our way through dozens, no wait, hundreds, I think maybe even now thousands of emails that you are sending to us. We totally appreciate it. We want to answer your financial questions. Be a little patient. There's only so much we can do. But we encourage you to send us your questions. Our email address is askjill at jillonmoney.com. Askjill at jillonmoney.com. Now, here we have a question from another Jill. So here is the question. Okay, my husband and I sold our house in California, and we are building a house in Oregon where we moved to this past summer. We have about two hundred dollars to $300,000 that we would be comfortable with investing. Conservatively, we have about $400,000 set aside for a down payment on a $900,000 house. Uh, $59,000 is already in escrow. Where do you think we should put it? Love your show. My dad turned me on to it, and he said that you're great. Okay, Jill, here's the problem. First of all, I want to make sure that you've got the money for the down payment. It's set aside. It's really, you know, it's safe. We get that. For the money that you're going to be investing going forward, here's the question we have to always ask ourselves with investing, and that is, what is this for? Is this for education? Is this for a future retirement date that looms decades in the future? I don't know. But generally speaking, if you've got a long time, you know, let's say 20, 30 years, it's sort of think of it as maybe supplemental retirement, then great, you can go ahead and invest. And when you say, you know, you're comfortable with investing, you know, look, there's a lot of choices for you. As always, when people say, I want to do it on my own, I say, just pick a place that has cheap index funds. So that might include T. Rowe Price, TD Ameritrade, Vanguard, Schwab, Fidelity, those kinds of places. If you want a little bit of help, you can try some of the hybrid investment slash advice sites like Vanguard Personal Service Advisor or Schwab Intelligent Portfolio. If you really think you want someone to help guide you with broader financial planning issues, then you're talking about hiring an investment advisor. Congratulations. Very good to hear about, you know, you being able to do this. So sounds like you're being smart. Way to go. Okay. Now, this is from Regina, who says... 
Thank you, Jill and Mark, for giving timely, consistent advice to your listeners. I've shared your ideas with my two adult children who now also listen to you. I'd like your opinion on my situation. Regina says, I'm single. I'm 58. I'm looking to relocate from Texas to Louisiana. I have a $51,000 state pension and group health insurance. That's good. Because I have a state pension, I'm told that I will not qualify for Social Security. That's due to the windfall elimination provision, WEP. Uh, anyone who's listening, um, you always should check about that with your um, with your benefits office. If you're due to get a pension, some plans basically disallow your paying into the system for Social Security because of this elimination, WEP, windfall elimination provision. You'll know it if you ask anybody around you at work. Regina says, I would like to purchase a home which may cost up to $450,000. Right now I have a condo that's valued at $130,000, commercial real estate of $350,000, taxable Vanguard ETFs of $175,000, SEP IRA ETFs $25,000, uh, Roth uh, IRA, $7,000, $90,000 in checking. I know I need to move more money into the retirement account, but I've intentionally kept it out since I knew I wanted to buy a house. <laughs> I originally thought I would pay cash for up to $300,000. However, interest rates are so low, the housing prices are higher than I anticipated. Oh, okay. So Regina owns an actual um, real estate brokerage firm. It generates income of $40,000 a year. I'm going to continue to operate it remotely as long as I can. I would also consider getting a part-time job if I ended up selling the business. I don't think I'd have a problem earning about twenty-four grand a year if I had to. My plan also includes extensive travel after the pandemic. Okay, here are the three questions. One, my CPA and loan officer suggested I pay a 10% down payment and finance the remainder of the home, uh, home purchase to allow my investments to continue to grow. The monthly note would be $2,600. Uh-uh, no way. I would only do 20% down, and I'm not entirely sure that you should actually, I mean, I don't know whether you should actually buy something because have you run the numbers? Here's the thing. You cannot avoid the WEP penalty. That's one of your questions. What I think is missing in this whole plan is a real look ahead at retirement. Are you sure that you want to basically use up a bunch of your money, your liquidity to buy a house, even if it's the 20% down. I mean, there is a lot to be said for the flexibility that you might have in maybe renting for a little while. Are you sure you're going to like it where you are? I am unclear whether this is a good plan for you. That's, that's what I, I guess that I want to say. It is important for people as you look ahead to be able to maintain your liquidity, all right? And you really have to be clear that a house may feel comfortable and wonderful, but maybe you should rent for a while. I'm just not convinced that buying is the best thing. Can we, can we run some numbers for you? So follow up with me, okay? Chris writes, I recently started listening to your podcast and I've already learned so much. I appreciate how you meet people where they're at and don't embarrass anyone for the decisions they've already made. Amen, man. I love, I, I'm all about that. Okay. Chris goes on. He says, I've been tracking every dollar of my spending investments and savings for the last two years. I'm 41. I make 50 grand a year gross. 
I'm single. I've got no kids. And I intend to stay that way. Mm. Put your line in the sand there, mister or missus. I don't know. I should say mister or miss because Chris, who knows? I inherited two IRAs when I was 29. They're currently worth $160,000. I bought a house within my means last year. I was able to put down 20%. That's great. I started a Roth IRA last year. It's currently worth about 10 grand. And I'm looking at maxing it out annually. Um, six grand a year to 49, seven grand after 50. And I'm going to do that until I retire. Good for you. I've got a six month liquid savings buffer. I saved, invested 40% of my net this past year, but in a non-pandemic year, it would look more like 20%. That's for sure. The fact that I was able to bounce my savings so quickly this year will give me so much more flexibility going forward. Here's my question. When I inherited the IRAs and I was 29, I had no idea what to do. So I hired a financial advisor whose fees are 1% annually. He doesn't get a commission when he invests in certain stocks because I knew that was bad, but he does take 1%. I started my Roth with him last year, but I've recently learned I should just have invested in Vanguard. Is there a good, nice way to say thanks but no thanks about the Roth and move it over to Vanguard? Should I plunk the money I have in the inherited IRAs somewhere else to avoid the 1% fees? The money hasn't really done well with him over the past decade um, until this past year. Any thoughts would be appreciated. Okay, Chris, first of all, congratulations. Sounds like you're doing a fantastic job. Next, you don't owe the advisor anything. And what I would do is that really sounds like if you want to manage this money, you are absolutely capable of doing that. What I would do is wherever you decide you want to move your money, do it with everything. So you can just go to Vanguard. You can move your Roth to Vanguard. You can move the inherited IRAs to Vanguard and just pick a few index funds, get the allocation set up and have a nice diversified portfolio and wave goodbye to your 1% fee. That's what I would do. T. Rowe Price, TD Ameritrade, Vanguard, Schwab, Fidelity. Those are the ones that I keep talking about if you're going to manage your own money. All right, next up, Albert says, I'm 71 and I started taking a required minimum distribution back in 2019. I'm considering using the bucket strategy for taking my RMDs each year. Now, this, if you guys aren't familiar with this, this is some, I can't remember who started it, but you know, it's basically putting certain money in certain buckets. It's, it's a mental game we play with ourselves. And if it works, God bless you, do it. What goes into bucket number one besides cash? Do short-term bonds belong in bucket one or bucket two? Meaning short-term money. Any money you need within 12 months is cash or cash equivalents. It ha- would have to be short-term bonds, meaning bonds that mature within a year. Okay. In bucket number one should be the cash you need for the year. In bucket number two could be your second year of RMDs, okay? But, you know, again, I think that the money that you should have in cash should really be your annual income needs plus the RMD, okay? And then the second bucket is usually intermediate term. And I would consider that sort of two to eight years-ish. And then after that, I would say the growth, So that's how I would look at it. Um, I hope that helps. You know, none of this is hard science. This is just sort of a feeling. Okay, here we go. Nancy says, greetings, Jill and Mark. I listen to you on WCCO, um, but I am disappointed that the broadcast of your program is now early in the morning rather than the previous later evening. Okay, 
Sorry. My background is market research. I'm casting my vote for Jill's original mantra of grit, growth, and grace. I love the alliteration. I prefer grace over gratitude only because it meets the fog index criteria and is one syllable as are the first two words. Whichever you choose, think either mantra is as super as your program. Great ingenuity on both of your parts, Nancy. Thanks, Nancy. I'm trying to get that. Mark voted for gratitude. I know. I really liked that one. I liked grit, growth, grace myself. I think so. I don't know. I'm going to have to maybe consider going to that one. Anyway, if you have a view on how we ought to be managing our mantras going into the future, let us know. Okay. And until then, the only other thing you need to let us know is if you have a financial question. So please send us an email, whatever's on your mind. Ask Jill at jillonmoney.com. Ask Jill at jillonmoney.com. Or if you're on our website, jillonmoney.com, you can always click the contact button, right? Um, And pass this along to as many people as you can. Mark and I are on a journey and we want as many people along on this journey as possible. We very much appreciate you and we appreciate you listening to us. Uh, I always forget to do this and poor Joel Goodman, who's been so nice and wrote music for us. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Talericio is our executive producer. We're distributed by Cadence 13. And as always, wash your hands, wear your masks, maybe two of them, maintain your physical distancing, and try to do something nice for someone else today. It will make you feel better. It will make them feel better. Isn't that nice? Grit, growth, grace. I'm trying it on. I think it works. Okay, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Mm